I think that's uh, all the notices that I have in front of me. Uh, we're praying that you have a really good day and that you enjoy uh, Pastor Phil as he comes and uh, shares the message with, uh, with us this morning. Great to see you all online. All right, Craig. Here I am. Thanks, Pastor Phil. Over to you. Yeah. All right, mate. I'll, uh, I'll, uh, I'll have a great time with these people. Look, I'm sure uh, we're going to have some fun. Uh, it's great to have you all uh, online with us this morning. I've been uh, watching the names pop up that are watching with us today. Uh, it's good to see some familiar names uh, joining us for the live stream this morning. And uh, look, wasn't it great to hear from, from Tom? Just a, a brilliant opportunity to bring uh, someone in to your lounge room to remind you of that. I think the, the phrase he used was what a beautiful masterpiece that we're invited to be a part of. And so thank you, Tom, for centering us again on, on the cross. It was, it was brilliant. Hey, um, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share a thought with you about well, what's the purpose behind lockdown today? Uh, I'm going to reveal everything to you. It's all, it's all pretty obvious, I think, if you, if you read the right uh, information. So uh, you can look forward to that. But before we get into that, I just, uh, you know, I'm a dad, I'm a male in the house, and I know that our guys have a reputation for being uh, rubbish at reading instructions. And uh, how many of you, uh, without getting too judgmental, might also agree that you have a male in your house that doesn't like reading instructions, or perhaps after they've attempted to put something together, they then turn to the instructions to see what they should have done. Or uh, perhaps you've got, you can tag them, or you could perhaps even, don't need to tag them, that might be a little bit rough, but you could perhaps in the comments just say, yeah, I know of someone like that. And we'll, we'll, we'll just read between the lines. But you know, how many of you have got a situation where you've, you've taken something out of a box and you've assembled it and you're having a great time uh, in the process of constructing what's been given to you? And then at the end of it, it's amazing. Uh, but unfortunately, you've got one piece left or perhaps you've put something back together in your car and you've still got a bolt and you don't know where that bolt goes. Uh, Kathy Strong, she knows of someone like that. Look, I'm putting my hand up. I'm prepared to confess that uh, that's true. But look, the problem is you can keep tagging people. Marge Watson says she's familiar with that. Uh, your husband's pretty talented. I've seen his handiwork. But look, um, we, we think that we, we, we need to work it out. But in fact, God's given us his instruction booklet. We've got an instruction booklet here. And so today, I want to take you through the reasons that I believe God has had in his, uh, in his process that we've walked through with lockdown. And it's all in the book. It's all in the book. I'm going to skim through it today. And I really want you to take opportunity to review it yourself. Uh, so, so, so some of the words that are describing this season for me, I've got a list here, uh, reset, um, renew, uh, recalibrate, uh, refresh, revise, um, reestablish, uh, reboot. I, I heard uh, Joel Osteen use that word last weekend. Reboot is the word he's using in, in line with a computer. But 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 I think the thing is, and you might have some words that would describe what's been happening for your season. Maybe it's rest. Let's reset, but just one less letter. Uh, but certainly we've had an opportunity for rest lately. Uh, you could also use another R word. Did you notice all my words started with R? 
reset, renew, recalibrate, refresh, revise, reestablish, reboot, and rest. But what about another word? Wrestle. Does that start with R? I'm not sure that it does, but but maybe you've been wrestling with God because you know that his instructions are in the book, but you're just not willing to follow them. Well, today's going to be uh, very uncomfortable for you. I'm very sorry about that. Um, as, a, as a church, we've been journeying through this, and I, I really um, I love the story of Joshua, the, the beginning of Joshua. I've, I've said that to you guys um, before on various videos, Sunday videos, midweek videos, is that I feel like Joshua chapter 3 onwards has really been a pivotal message for the church, particularly for us. Well, we're claiming it as a message for us and anyone else that's watching from any other church or, or community group, you're welcome to jump on board with us. What is God doing? I think if we look at Joshua chapter three, we'll see that God was preparing us. And, and just look at this, um, Joshua chapter three, verse one, early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites left Acacia Grove and arrived at the banks of Jordan where they camped before the crossing. Well, the first part of preparation was God pulled us together in our family units. He was binding families together in that season of lockdown because family is critical to revival. So the first thing he was doing, he was binding families together. Look at verse five, Joshua chapter three, verse five. Joshua told the people, purify yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do great wonders among you. And we believe that the purpose of God in the, the next space in this lockdown was that he was wanting to cleanse us of unclean attitudes, unclean attitudes, that there was a purification, a consecration process that God had intention uh, for us. Joshua chapter three, verse nine reads like this. Joshua told the Israelites, come and listen to what the Lord your God says. Today you will know the living God is among you. He will surely drive out all your enemies, they're listed there. Look, he says in verse 11, the Ark of the Covenant, which belongs to the Lord of the whole earth, will lead you across the Jordan River. This is a proclamation of the promise of God that he had prepared in advance for his people that he was drawing them into, which is what we're seeing. But here's God's heart, I believe, that we see in these verses. The final part of God's preparation was the establishment of faith in the people that he would declare these things because he was saying, watch what I'm going to do, but I need you have faith to receive it. I wonder if you noticed that during your lockdown, whether you noticed that God was gathering you and family on purpose to bind you together as a family. Certainly there's been moments in this lockdown where I've been isolated from people, but I've felt incredibly connected to the church family. He's preparing us by purifying us of unclean attitudes. And finally, he's building faith in us. Well, I would like you to reflect on that. And uh, perhaps you can reread Joshua chapter three this week and see what else it says to you. Joshua chapter four is a, is a, is a, is a transition moment. It's a transition moment. So we had preparation in chapter three and we've got transition in chapter four. Have a look at this verse 19. Verse 19, watch this. The people crossed the Jordan River on the 10th day of the first month. And that's what my Bible says. But I read the notes down the bottom because it helps me to understand the, the Jewish calendar, which is different to the, the ones that we have. It says here, this day in the ancient Hebrew lunar calendar occurred, wait for it, 
late March, April, early May. Well, that was when we were in lockdown. The transition moment happened late March, April, and early May. We'll just back up a little bit. I want you to go back and look at verse 10. Joshua chapter 4, verse 10. I want you to catch this. This is really important, people. Catch this. The priests who were carrying the ark stood in the middle of the river until all of the Lord's commands were carried out. Meanwhile, the people hurried across the riverbed. Don't miss this. In the period of lockdown, late March, April, early May, when we were in lockdown, there was prayer and intercession happening, and spiritually, I believe, people transitioned across into the new. They crossed the Jordan, as it were. I believe this is a significant revelation prophetically for the church to grasp hold of, to believe in their hearts that God has done his transitioning, that we're now standing on different ground, and that's significant for what I'm about to share with you. Chapter 4. Chapter 4 was a chapter of transition. If you turn the page, you get to a well-known chapter, and that's chapter 6. Uh, and, and the theme here for me, catch this, chapter 6. So chapter 3 was preparation. Chapter 4 was transition. Chapter 6 is victory in promise. Victory in promise. You'll, you'll understand that being the story of Jericho. This is where we see God bring people into their first victory on the, on the western side of the Jordan, which is called the Promised Land. It's their first victory. It's mighty. It's famous. And we've, we've spoken of it many, many times. What's God doing here? Well, he already told us. In, in Joshua chapter 3, verse 5, he said, Purify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do great wonders among you. And, and what that says to me is God's going to do these wondrous things by his strength and not our strength. What am I trying to say to God's people? Catch this. May your hearts be open to catch what I prophetically am declaring over you today in this message. It's highly charged, full of content for you to feed on over the next week. Here's what I hear God say. This is not a time to be shrinking back. Church, we must not be fearful. We, we must realize that we're God's people and we must rise up to advance with God who goes before of us. For all those people who are worried about what's happening, uh, who are getting themselves bound up in conspiracy theories or fearful of what the government is doing to us, take over, mark of the beast, all these other sorts of things, you need to hear the word of the Lord. This is a time for God's people to rise up and see the Lord open the way into promise. You know, I dare I say it, if you're someone that likes to attack the government, you need to stop it. Because it's just wrong. It's unbiblical. But I heard the Lord say this to me last night before I went to sleep. For all those people who are trying to defend the government, you need to stop that as well because it's wrong. You cannot defend what they're doing right now. What should we do as the church? We should rise up, be prominent, and advance into what the Lord will do ahead of us. The Lord is sovereign over all things. The Lord is in control um, of the outcome. He works good in every situation. And we just need to have faith in him, and we need to be prepared to move when he says move. Because if you read the story of Jericho, there's a victory in the promise, and it comes by the Lord's mighty hand, not yours, not mine. May you receive that this morning, that chapter six is about victory and promise. And as the church, we are not uh, we are not abdicating our responsibility, but we're getting on our knees. 
We're getting on our knees and we're doing what the Lord has asked us to do, to honour, to be complicit in, in our honour and to obey, but to be praying because prayer is where victory is found. And you can read that in Joshua chapter 6 quite clearly. But here's the rub for today, and this is the, the key thing that I wanted to get to. Now, the, the reason why I titled this message, Choose Five, because I think you will have noticed that I talked about chapter three, which is preparation, chapter four, which is transition, and chapter six, which is victory and promise. But between four and six comes number five. And I don't want you to miss the message in the middle. I don't want you to miss what's what's coming because I do want you to have faith. I do want you to be prepared. And I do want you to be ready for the victory the Lord is about to take us into. It's imminent, I believe. And I'm going to speak on that another day. There's so much bubbling up in me at the moment. I, I haven't got time to share it this morning. But I don't want us to miss the message in the middle. And I'm urging you to choose five, to focus your attention this week on Joshua chapter five and what it says to us. And let's get into that as quickly as I can. Look at verse one, Joshua chapter five, verse one. When all the Amorite kings west of the Jordan and all the Canaanite kings who lived among along the Mediterranean coast. So that's all that promised land that God had promised from the day of Abraham. When they heard how the Lord had dried up the Jordan River so the people of Israel could cross over. They lost heart and were paralyzed with fear because of them. Let's not miss this message in the middle. God is calling us to stand in the place of promise and before us, our enemies will be overcome by God's mighty power. God is taking us from victory to victory. God is taking us from strength to strength. He's taking us from glory to glory. If you agree with that, then say amen in the comments. You need to tag your friends so they get the word of the Lord for themselves, so they catch the spirit of what's happening in the season and have faith to rise up and pray like we've never prayed before. God wants to see his God wants us to see his power and his strength in the midst of our challenge. He wants us to believe his victory is ours, even though we face opposition, even if we face persecution, even if we can't meet together like what we want to. Because you know what's more important? Let's not pray what we want. Let's find out what God wants and pray in agreement with that. What is God going to do in this season when we can't meet? Look, I desperately want to be with you. I want to have the biggest worship party we've ever had. I want to have the Holy Spirit firebomb go off in our midst and people get, get impacted heavily by God's love and his goodness and overcome and overwhelmed with how much he has for them. I want that desperately. But do I know as much as God knows? No, I don't. No, I don't. I wonder what God's doing in this crazy season. God wants us to have victory. You know what I want? I want the victory he's got for me, not the one that I perceive or expect to happen. You can post in the comments what you're waiting for in your personal breakthrough, but I'd urge you to seek God in that, that you would be looking for what he's got for you. Essential to our spiritual victory is understand that Christ has already defeated the enemy. We're not standing here today in a place where we're not sure who wins the war. Oh my goodness, no. Christ went to the cross to win the victory over all of our enemies. And we do not fight. We do not wage war against flesh and blood. 
but we wage war against the spiritual powers that are seeking to oppose us. That's what the church needs to be on their knees and praying about. In Colossians chapter 2, just after the verse that uh, Tom shared today, it says in Colossians chapter 2 and verse 15 that, that Christ disarmed spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them all on the cross. Christ has already won the victory. Christ has won the victory for you. Christ has won the victory for me. Christ has won the victory for the church. Christ has won the victory for our nation, Aotearoa, New Zealand. And may we have faith to believe that God is going to do something really good in front of us. Consecrate yourself, church, for you will see the Lord do mighty signs and wonders before you tomorrow. Now, prophetically, that means soon. But I also want to, I want to get, it's probably going to get a little bit uncomfortable because because uh, I, I, I need to read verse 2. Uh, Joshua chapter 5, verse 2. There's a couple of keys in this chapter because it's about becoming prepared for what God is going to do. And there's, there's some keys. Look at this. Uh, at that time, the Lord told Joshua, make flint knives, so they're sharp stones, and circumcise this second generation. Of the Israelites. So Joshua made flint knives, sharp stones, and he circumcised the entire population. Look, don't get don't get distracted and be and, and post stupid comments about this because you know there's a risk that we might miss what God is saying to us. God does want to bring circumcision back to this generation because this generation has failed to accept the law and the commands of God. But we need to understand why God would say this, because cutting of the flesh, it sounds painful. It sounds brutal. Yes, it does sound a little bit awkward. But the truth is, it's something that God established. And if you want to find that, go back to Genesis chapter 17, when God said to Abraham, you will cut yourself and mark yourself for you will be different. And you will notice that you're different because I have asked you to be obedient. It's about obedience. It's not about looks. It's not about pain and suffering. It's about obedience. And God said to Joshua, I need this generation to stand before me obedient before I lead them into victory. It sounds ridiculous. It sounds totally uh, unreasonable that God would disable all the fighting males in, in the Hebrew population as they stand before their first battle. Like, they can't fight. They can't even walk properly. Like, you're going to take a week to get yourself sorted out after that kind of surgery with a sharp stone. So why is obedience important? Because it puts our faith in God. Here's the key. There's a meaning behind the physical cutting, the blood and the, and the pain and the suffering. There's a spiritual meaning. God had established this practice because he's saying to us, there's an outer sign of your inner faith. God says you'll be marked and you'll remember this. Because you have chosen obedience. Let me explain something really, really foundational about the Christian faith. I just felt the Lord highlighted this to me this week. And I want to share it with you. If you're, a, if you're new to church or you're searching for faith or you're, you're not quite sure how this works, this whole Christian thing. And, and who is God? And, and how do we know that he's, he's true? But God has made good promises for his people, for all people. And, and, and I want you to hear this, that God's promises are unconditional on his side of things. God's promises are unconditional on his side. 
It's done. It's finished. I have said it, says God, and thus, what more do I do? Nothing. He's got nothing more to do. It's complete. It's done. But the flip side of that is that God's promises, while he will be faithful to his side, we have a choice. And God's promises are conditional on our side, and they're conditional on our obedience. It's conditional on our faith response. If we don't respond in faith, we don't get to receive the promise. Did Jesus Christ die for all? Yes, that's what the Bible said. Are all going to receive that promise? No. Because they have chosen not to respond in faith to the promise of God, which is fully complete and ready for them to receive. If we don't have faith, we don't receive the promise. Let me bring it back to Joshua chapter 5, because this is why it's important. God invites us in to his promise. We've got to be spiritually ready to receive the promise. The only way we can be ready to receive the promise is to have faith. And here we see God needs to cut away our flesh to initiate faith. He's got to cut away the flesh nature of us as human beings in order that we could have the faith to receive what he's already got for us. Church, I've got two parts to the good news for you today. Because it might sound bad. You're thinking, man, what are you saying to me? Well, the, <laughs> I suppose the good, the good part of this is you can put down your sharp stones. Ladies, put away your kitchen knife. There will be no physical cutting today. All the men say hallelujah and amen to that. You don't need to use a sharp stone anymore because Jesus Christ has accomplished everything for you. Your forgiveness, your access into God and all his promises. And furthermore, when you respond in faith to Jesus Christ and say, yes, I have faith to receive what you've done for me. The good news is he's made the way for you already to be spiritually prepared. Let's have a look at this. Colossians chapter 2, which I read from earlier. Um, but I want to read uh, verse 11 and 12. Colossians chapter 2, verse 11 and 12. When you came to Christ in faith, you were circumcised, but not by physical procedure. Christ performed this spiritually, the cutting away of your sinful nature. The good news is if you choose to respond in obedience and faith to God, then Christ says, I will take care of your heart for you. I will help you so that you don't need to go under the knife. You don't need a sharp stone on your flesh because Christ has done that for you. Let me repeat this. Cutting away your flesh is what initiates your faith. So, so let's look at the situation that um, Joshua was in. Because, because I, I'm leading you to, to something this morning. I want you to get it that, that you've got to submit yourself to the work of Christ, that your hearts would be um, circumcised, they would be cut away, that you would be purified before God by Jesus. But for what? Why? What was God doing? Joshua chapter 5, we see his purposes. The, look, Joshua and his friends had uh, they, traveled at this point. They had waited for God. You can read this in Joshua 3 and 4. They'd waited for God. 
They'd seen him do this miraculous parting of the Jordan. They'd crossed through on dry land and now they're standing. The enemies we read in verse 1 are freaking out because God had showed his power. The city of Jericho stands on the mountain before them. It's fortified. It's massive stone walls too high for them to penetrate. And God literally disables their army. What a setup. What is God doing here? I believe God wants to cut away our fleshly nature, our stink attitudes, our wrong heart position, in order that we would stand before him pretty much disabled, but ready to have faith that he will do the miraculous before us. I believe that's the word for us today. God is cutting us. He's cutting away our flesh in order that we'd be ready to receive what he's got. You're going to feel like God's going to strip some stuff away from you. I'm declaring it. Reset means you need to be reset. When God says, I'm going to reset the church, he's talking about you and he's talking about me. It's looking different than what it was before. A reset means us becoming more dependent on God's strength and less dependent on our flesh. God invites you in because he doesn't want you to be dependent on who you think you are. He doesn't want you to have this paradigm where you know what's best for our nation or for you, for the church or for you or for your family. Only God knows. And, and I've got to confess, um, this is tough for me. I've been wrestling with this. You might think, well, it's easy for you. You sit there on your throne and you tell us all these things. No church. And I can't tell you this until I've been through it. So everything I'm sharing with you, I'm, I'm having to walk out. What, what, am I, what, am I, what am I really wrestling with? Well, there are five things. And I'm inviting you to embrace them also. The first thing that I'm wrestling with is old paradigms. You know, what do I think life should look like? And God's saying, no, I want to reset that. I want to cut that away because you don't know what's best for you. I do. And, uh, and and I've got a whole bunch of people dependent on me to get that sorted out in my life, which makes it all the more significant. Um, the second thing the Lord's cutting out of my life is wrong attitudes, stinking thinking. We can't carry the old mindset into the new and god says let me do my work and remove that for you number three the tough one this is um any moment where you try no let me make let me be real it's it's about me any moment that i avoid his lordship in an area of my life i create an idol that's not him and so when God says, I want to come and circumcise you to cut away your dependence on the flesh, he's saying, I want to be Lord of every part of your life, not just the public parts, not just the parts you're willing to let go of, every part of your life, Phil. And so the season for me has been about allowing the Lord to, to infiltrate the dark corners of my heart and bring to light those things that he wants to cut away and then me being willing to let him. What are the areas of our hearts that are not fully surrendered to his lordship? The fourth thing that the Lord is doing in circumcision in the preparation of people is he's dealing with blatant sin. It's time to clean up the church. I think uh, I heard it this week that the, the struggle 
the reason the church has so much struggle at the moment and is powerless is because they have chosen to accept sin and call it not sin. We've tolerated too much. It's time to clean up the church. And I'm choosing to put myself on that altar for one reason alone. Because then I get less of me and more of him. And the greatest thing I could exchange is to give something of myself in order that I would receive more of him. And I invite you to do that for yourself. That you would take yourself to the foot of the cross. That you would pour your heart out before God. And you would ask him to remove any blatant sin that remains in your life. That he would prepare you for what's coming. And I'm about to show you what that is. Finally, number five. And I'm, I'm stirred by this, but I'm stirred privately that the church must be the church in the community. We can no longer be an observer that sits on the sideline. We can no longer be a secret club that people don't know what we believe or what we do. We must be the church in the community. It's time for God's people to stand up and stand out. And you can expect me to stir you in that in the coming months. So five things, five things, five things that the Lord is doing. I hope you hear Jesus speaking to you today. I hope you hear that. Will you bring your heart to him? Will you say a simple prayer and ask Jesus to be Lord of your life? Will you simply find a place where you can pray, Jesus, come into my heart, make me clean <clears throat> before God, remove my sin. I choose you as my Lord and Savior. I hope there are people out there today that are praying that prayer. I said to you that there were two good parts of this morning. And the first one is this. God wants to build faith in you. God wants to build faith in you. In Joshua chapter 5 and verse 10, while the Israelites were camped in Gilgal on the plains of Jericho, so after they'd had their surgery, uh, they celebrated Passover. The very next day they began to eat. They celebrated Passover. Church, what is this? This is a remembrance of the deliverance that God had done for them in Egypt. We celebrated Passover before Easter. May we continue to remember Passover that God is our deliverer. God is the one who has set us apart. God is the one. I'm saying this to the church. It's time for us to step into a place of faith. The second thing that we read in verse 11, and this is a key prophetic word for you. The very next day they began to eat unleavened bread and roasted grain harvest from the land. They began to eat for the first time in 40 years. They ate from the land of promise that God had given them. I'm telling you, church, I'm declaring this over the church prophetically. It's time for us to eat from the land of promise. It's time for us to submit ourselves before God so that he would give us a fresh vision of his provision. Come on, someone tag that in the comments. It's a good word right there. It's time for God to give the church a fresh revelation, his vision of his provision. Come on, let's have faith to believe. I want you to I want you to bow before God, put your face before the Lord and say, "Come on, Lord, may you do it today as you did in the days of past." God wants to reset your vision so he can reset your provision. Come on, let's do that. Let's accept that by God by, by faith. Because the way that we initiate faith is the cutting of flesh and obedience. Can you see the process that God's got us in? 
I believe God wants to reset your perspective so he can retrain your behavior. I believe God wants to reset your perspective so he can retrain your behavior so that each one of us can live in the promise God has prepared for us. In Micah chapter 6, it's a prophetic book that's written about 500 years after the story of Joshua. 500 years later, Micah writes the words of God as a prophet and he says this, remember your journey from Acacia Grove to Gilgal, when I, the Lord, did everything I could to teach you about my faithfulness. Wow. Why am I saying that to you? Everything God is doing right now in lockdown is about teaching us about his faithfulness. So as I bring this to a close, I would urge us all not to fight God, not to fight against him. Maybe we can wrestle with him because in the wrestling, we're transformed. But may we allow him to reset our perspective. May we allow him to retrain our behavior in order that we would walk fully in his promise and see all the goodness that he has prepared for us. So churches, I bring this to a close. I want to say thanks for being with us this morning. Thanks for being in my place. Um, I, I really feel a burden about this word, and I hope that you take the time this week to maybe listen to it again or maybe to read the verses and find the keys. Chapter 3 was all about preparation. Chapter 4 of Joshua was about transition. Chapter 6 is about victory in the promise, but let us not miss the message in the middle. Let us not forego the invitation to choose number five. And in doing so, allowing God to cut the flesh out of our lives, let us choose to allow God to take the knife to five areas of our life. And I've shared what's happening in mine, and maybe yours is a little different, but I do know that God wants to bring you closer to him. And in that, I'd like to pray for you as I close. Lord, I declare your blessing over each person that's listening to this message. I pray that the scripture would become alive to them, that by your Holy Spirit enabling the verses and the words I've spoken to become real to them, you will take them on a journey of transformation. God, as you conduct your surgery in their heart, may you cut away the flesh and bear fruit in the spirit realm of their heart, that they would become alive and renewed in their life and relationship with you. God, I thank you that as a people, you're setting us apart. You're leading us into the promise. And I declare prophetically that we will eat of the land of promise very soon because you are faithful, God. You have shown us by scripture that you are teaching us. You are faithful. So we thank you, God, for your faithfulness far beyond our comprehension. We thank you for your provision 